You're listening to the podcast of Antioch East Baptist Church in Magnolia, Arkansas. This is Pastor Ron Owen. We're so glad that you've joined us today. If you have any comments or inquiries, you can send those to us at aebc123 at me.com. Romans chapter 8. And I want you to look at chapter 8. Verse 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Excuse me. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. And uh, tremendous. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please bless the reading and the preaching of your word this morning. Bless the study. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. First of all, I want you to see... This is, as you can tell by our t-shirts, if you didn't notice, this was our, our theme for the week of camp. That is not our scripture verse for this day, uh, but it does talk about hope, which, by the way, is one of the themes of the verses that we happen to be talking about today. And so then the next picture, go ahead and let's see the next picture. Oh, look at that good group right there. Look at that. There's Leighton right there in the dark shirt in the front there looking like... What are y'all doing? Uh, but anyway, a tremendous young man. He was a blessing to us. And I want to tell you, you want to have some fun. Jenny, where's Jenny? Come here. Come here, Jenny. Hurry, hurry. I don't have time. I got to preach. Look at this. Isn't she sweet? I've always loved Jenny. I still do. But isn't she sweet and innocent? This girl's a jabber jaw. I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> I love this girl. I'm sorry. She hates me now. Oh, don't worry. She looks all looks all shy and bashful. Believe me. You get her in a car with those two younger boys, and for two hours, I heard it all. I heard it all. <laughs> laugh. We laugh. I, I, I really thought I was going to have to pull over at one time. They were killing me. They were killing I'm serious. I, I told Christy... Didn't I? I told you, I said, you've got to take those three to Texarkana or something. You will bust a gut. They were so much fun. I loved it. I'm telling you, I loved it. I'm glowing. Every year I dread going to camp <laughs> when I have to stay in the cabins. But I want to tell you, I, I, it was a blessing this year. All right, I can get to preaching. I'm sorry. But anyway, those are the kids uh, that we had. And then the rest of them, the rest of the, the background is going to be a... Uh, picture you uh, you'll see there it is so Romans 8 18 through 25 I'm calling this an incalcul incalculable man why did I put that word in there uncountable contrast all right 
an incalculable contrast. Now, you must understand, and we're here to study the Word of God, so keep your Bibles open. By the way, you should have a copy of the Word of God with you, and I know that uh, they do a good job of putting it up on the board, but I want you to use your, your Bible. But look at verse 17. You've got to, to see and understand the context of verse 17. It says, If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. And it seems like Paul said that, and and he said, I need to say some things about this. And he launches in that goes all the way down to at least verse 28, where it says, what does verse 28 says? Uh, uh, I'm having trouble here. Let me see. And we know that all things work together for good to those that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Everybody loves that verse. Well, that verse is, is kind of the capstone of all the these verses starting in verse 18 and so we see here uh, that that this kind of launches us into this now I want to do a little bit of a review and understand that verses 1 through 11 we see that we are indwelt by the spirit we're saved that is in verses 12 through 17 he talks about our adoption by God we are indwelt by the spirit we uh, we see that we are adopted by God that is by God our father and then thirdly in these verses we will see that we uh, will be delivered from the curse of this present world hallelujah amen no more horse flies in the afternoons no more chiggers, no more sin, no more temptation, no more failing the Lord. And that's what these verses kind of talk about. This message has no fancy outline. And I want to tell you right off the bat, it is a manuscript sermon for the most part. In other words, I'll be reading most of what I say today because I want to be sure and say what I have thought but it is very, a very fitting message for us on this Independence Day and also to encourage us as believers. Number one, I want us to examine the passage, okay? We're going to examine the passage. And first of all, I want to see the context verse, which is verse 18. Now, verse 17 launches us off, but verse 18 is the context verse. Now, look at it. For I consider, Paul said, that the suffering that we have in this life, and that's the suffering of any kind, I suppose, uh, our, our joint pains, our, our eyes uh, failing us, our disease, are uh, all of this, the curse of this old stinking world. Injury and death and separation, but also, and what he's really talking about is the persecution that you and I will surely face if we stand for Jesus Christ. I consider that this suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. And he uses exuberant language, by the way, and you'll notice this through the passages to explain these things. First of all, he uses the word, he said, I consider... Or basically, I believe, I know, this is what I stand. But actually, the word is a mathematical or accounting term, which means to calculate. I have, I have calculated, I've taken the facts and I've calculated that the sufferings that I'm going through, and believe me, you don't have anything to gripe about when you compare yourself to Paul, amen? 
I've considered that the sufferings I've gone through in Iconium, being stoned probably to death and being whipped and being in prison and being beaten, being spit upon and all these things, being run out of every city, it, it doesn't even compare, he said, to the glory that God has told me awaits me in heaven. <laughs> in the King James Version, the word is reckon, reckon. We don't use that word much. Matter of fact, most people think it's an old country hick word, but it's really not. It's, that's an old English word. It's a, a highfalutin word, if you would. I reckon, I calculate. Paul is saying, in essence, when I make two columns, let's say we had two columns up here. I should have put it on the back, on, uh, back here. But anyway, two columns. When I have two columns, one for suffering in this life and one for the glory that awaits us in heaven, in the suffering column, there is a period a dot, no more than a dash, and in the future glory column, there is an endless encyclopedia of words. Y'all, come on. Come on. I've been in camp all week where we've had singing and shouting. Please get with let's, let's Let's act a little bit more like our Assembly of God brethren, all right? That's awesome. The future glory column would have an endless encyclopedia of words. The word worthy. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared. That word worthy means weighty. Weighty or something that has weight. The verse could be translated like this. The suffering of this present time are not weighty enough to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. In 2 Thessalonians, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17, and this is the ESV translation I'm reading, it says, For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comprehension or comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient, temporal but the things that are unseen are eternal. <laughs> My suffering is temporal. It's finite, very finite. Can you imagine? Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. What's he been doing for 2,000 years? Not suffering. In the scales of reality, our future glory is infinitely weightier than any finite temporary suffering we experience in this lifetime. One commentator has said, as followers of Christ, our suffering comes from men, whereas our glory comes from God. <laughs> Which would you rather get gifts from? Our suffering comes from men, but our glory comes from God. Our suffering is earthly, whereas our glory is heavenly. Our suffering is short, whereas our glory is forever. Our suffering is trivial, whereas our glory is limitless. Our suffering is in our mortal and corrupted bodies, whereas our glory will be in our perfected, imperishable bodies that God will give us when he comes again in his glory. Amen. Do you believe that? Do you believe, is that the hope that you're clinging to? I do. I mean, that's it. I believe that. It's hard to believe when you're in the midst of it. It's hard not to complain and gripe and bellyache, and I'm the world's worst at it. I'll just confess to you. Quit shaking your head, mama. <laughs> and I forget 
that this trials of these, this life is temporal. And I think about it. The older you get, the more you think maybe of your mortality. And in, the, in 50 years, most everybody in this building will be in eternity most likely if the Lord hate, doesn't hasten his coming. We'll be in eternity. It's a little scary thought for us. Death is a little scary. We think of it when our loved ones die. We've all experienced that. It is all going to happen. But um, folks, a hundred years from now, all of the pain, all of the fear, all of the suffering for Christians will be over. And we will be in the presence of God with perfected spirits awaiting a perfected body. Now, if you, yeah, if you believe the Bible, you got to believe that. Now, listen, look at the contents of verses 9 through 22. And, and my outline is basically the scripture. So look at your Bible. Here's my first point for the earnest expectation. Earnest. See, those were earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. Okay? So our earnest expectation of the creation... This is talking about the earth, the stars, the moon, and the solar system of the creation. He talks about the creation as if it is an animate object. Is waiting for the revealing of what? You. This whole universe. Let me tell you something. We don't have to look to the universe for answers. The universe is looking to us for hope. For the revealing of the sons of God, for the creation was subject to futility. Now, what does that mean? In the Greek, the definite article is here. And I don't know why our translators didn't put in it, but it should read like this, uh, the futility. In other words, for the creation was subject to the futility. Excuse me. And this is referring to, no doubt, the fall of creation, which we're studying in Sunday school, most of us. And so it is subject to futility by God because of the curse of sin. It means frailty. This futility means frailty or want of vigor. It too has paid a price for man's sin, the creation. Now, stay with me, folks. So if you have to, sit on the edge of your seats. And on the back side of your bulletin uh, is a place for notes. And so, this is good stuff. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected in hope. Or the word there, subjected it, means uh, expectation. An expectation of hope. And again, let me remind you this. Hope isn't like we use it nowadays. Well, I hope something. I hope it. There's a chance it may not. No. Hope here is faith. It means it is going to happen. I believe it's going to happen. I hope. I believe. I know. I have faith. That's why I read those verses. Uh, faith is the... Uh, 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 oh, gosh. I can't think of words either, Riley. It's, it must be the air. Uh, what does it say there? It says, now faith is the substance of things hopeful without any evidence of ever seeing it. But I believe it's true. You say, well, I don't know. Well, then you're not a Christian. That's what it is. What do you think believe means? I haven't seen heaven. Nobody's seen heaven that's alive today, by the way. I haven't seen heaven. I don't know if all this is true. All I have to go by is the word of God, the scriptures. But I believe this is the word of God, and I believe that heaven's there. I gotta go quick. I told y'all, three o'clock. I gotta go. 
Because of him, because of the creation itself, also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. The creation's deliverance will be a righteous rule and reign of Christ and the children of God. Verse 22 says, For we know that the whole creation groans with labor pains together now. This whole world is creaking and, and cracking, and, and it's getting older and older, and it's devolve, dissolving. It doesn't matter what the green people try. They can't save this old world. When man fell, God cursed the world. When men are fully redeemed, soul, spirit, and body, the earth will be prepared anew for their arrival. And let me tell you something, just a little bit of doctrine here. This has to be talking about the millennial reign of Christ and not the new heavens and the new earth. It can't be. This old earth will one day cease to exist, the Bible tells us. The millennial reign of Christ happens on the earth in Revelation 20. Now look at just, uh, let's look at just a little bit of the description of the thousand year reign of Christ on earth. Let's look at it. It's Isaiah 11 verse 6. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. This is what happens when Jesus is in charge. And we are in charge with him. The leopard shall lay down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the, and the fatling together. And the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the winged child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Oh, happy day! I believe that Israel will be saved. And I believe that the church, that final one of the church will be saved. And a seven-year uh, period will happen on this earth, destruction and, and, and the time of the Antichrist. And then we will come back with Christ and for a thousand years we'll reign. And there will be perfection on this earth. Satan will be bound. That's what that's talking about. And the earth is waiting for that day. Just like when you got saved, you felt like, I made it. It's, I made it. I feel free. I feel forgiven. I feel clean. I feel new. And although we still deal with this old body, one day we'll get a new body that has no temptation of sin, that has no sin. And just like we, the earth is waiting for that also. I got to go on. We look at verses 23 through 25. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Conviction, calling, commitment of faith, confession of sins, created of God. That's regeneration. Comfort for the believer. These are the things that the Spirit of God, first fruits there means the best of things. That's what first fruits are. The top ones, the first thing off the top and the best of the, listen, the first fruits were not to have any blemishes on them. They were supposed to be the best. That's what you give to God. I think that's why, and we talk about this in school, that's why Abel's offering was blessed over Cain's. It says that he gave of the first of, the, of his, of his uh, uh, stock. But that's debatable. But anyway... This has happened to us. We do have the first fruit of the Spirit. He lives inside of us. It is the first fruits of the work of God in us, and the rest 
to come is that incomparable glory that is to be revealed in us when Jesus comes again or when we go to be with him in glory. Y'all are not getting as excited about this as I want you to. Y'all are worried about being 12 o'clock. Y'all just be patient. It's the Lord's day, all right? Not only that, he says, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves. Don't you? Don't you sing constantly, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through? Eagerly awaiting the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope? For what he does not see. For what he sees, excuse me. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. I love the old song that says, In this world we have our trials, sometimes lonesome and sometimes blue, but the hope of life eternal makes all old hopes brand new. Lord, I'm, going old, oh, I'm growing old and weary and there's no place that feels like home. Do you feel like that? Savior, come my soul to carry to where I never shall roam. And I don't want to get adjusted to this world, to this world. I've got a home that's so much better and I'm going to be there sooner or later. I don't want to get adjusted to this world. All right, listen, I'm fixing to finish up here, so be patient with me. The application, that's the examination of the passage. Now I want to give some application. Why do we have this longing for heaven? And if you don't have this longing for heaven, uh uh-oh. We hate the unrighteousness of this world. We hate the unrighteousness of our own flesh. We are new creatures in Christ, and it has made us long for a place that we've never seen. The question is, why do some folks who claim to be Christians seem to love this world and, and get kind of disappointed when they think about maybe leaving today? If you knew Jesus were coming back tomorrow, would you be disappointed? If you would, something's wrong with you. We're not at home here because of rejected morality that this old world and even our nation is throwing off God. Now listen to me. We don't feel comfortable with this world because of replaced morality. Well did Isaiah describe our nation when he said in chapter 5 verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And we don't feel comfortable in this world because of ruleless and ruthless morality. One of the most powerful things at camp this year, now listen to me, one of the most powerful things at camp this year was a prenatal nurse who spoke on the horrific practice of child murder, or as some people call it, abortion. She gave in heart-rendering details the horrors of the process and how the child screams in pain as it is being murdered and ripped apart in its mother's womb. Brother Mitch Delaney pointed out that over 62 million abortions have been legally performed in America, legally performed in America. That's greater than the population of 20 U.S. states. And by the way, only one, one genocide that's ever happened that we know of is larger than that, and that's probably in China. But it, it, it goes past what Russia did with the millions they killed, with the Holocaust, and it goes past 
what the Vietnamese did? 62 million murders committed by America. That's greater than the population, I think, of 20, 20 states. America may not send you to jail for this murder, but unless you repent, God will send you to hell for it. Godless people seek legislation to do away with gender roles, wickedly believing and preaching that gender is a choice. How stupid. I mean, there's just no other thing to say about it. It's ignorance. It's wicked ignorance. They already seek to make laws to override the freedoms of religion, trying to force the churches to comply with their satanic morality. As we traveled to St. Louis when we were on vacation this month, a city named after a French king known for his fairness and Christian zeal, on every government building right beside the American flag waved the banner of perversion. Although the rainbow is a symbol of God's holy promise, the devil's always ready to counterfeit God's work. The gay pride flag, although beautifully colored, gives me visions of darkness and blackness and chains and hell. As we walk the streets of Kansas City, on each side of the streets, on every light pole, the same banner of wickedness and evil was hanging like a noose of God's judgment. They wave in mockery the symbol of God's holy promise. They declare in loud, defiant tones the creed of their father, the devil, pride. And the Bible says that one of the things that God hates is pride. It is what sent this world into a tailspin. The devil said, I will be my, like the most high God. I will do what I want to. I will be my own boss. They wave in mockery the symbol of God's holy promise. They declare these defiant tones pride and in unbelief they heap up for themselves judgment of a holy God. For God says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do you not, uh, do, do not be deceived, neither homosexuals nor sodomites will inherit the kingdom of God. And in that scripture, in the, in the King James Version, it's really a better rendering, although nobody knows what the word means. It uses the word effeminate. And that word there, homosexual in the New King James and effeminate, is talking about a man that wants to take the role of a woman. And it talks about the prostitute, the homosexual prostitutes of that day and this day too. And then the word sodomite is the word that we would use to mean homosexual. Anybody that lays with the same gender. And there are two and only two. And if you practice homosexuality, and if you practice sodomy, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. Folks, these things make us, as our text says, groan and cry and cringe, for that matter, for the return of Christ. But what kind of stand are we taking against this perversion that is destroying our land? Listen, do you remain silent at work when it's brought up and they're spouting their filth? Do you remain silent at school, young person? At play, 
When these things are discussed, could you defend the righteousness of Christ against the wickedness of this age when you need to? How many churches will be emptied when the pressure comes and the hammer begins to fall? The Bible promises, by the way, in 2 Timothy 3.12, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall, will suffer persecution. It further warns us in verse 13, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Then the word of God commands us as children of God in verse 14. Listen. But you must continue in these things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Would you suffer with Paul? Would you suffer with John? Would you live and die with Stephen? Will you suffer with Christ? They all suffered these things for a few moments in time, but now have been basking in the glory of Christ, home in heaven for 2,000 years. And the joy has not yet begun. They await. Now listen, they're waiting. What are they waiting for? They await us. The creation awaits us. Our loved ones await us, and Christ himself is awaiting us. The light, this light and temporary affliction will give way to weighty, welcomed, eternal, infinite glory, joy, satisfaction, righteousness, and happiness, free from pain, free from separation, free from sin, and free from death. For I, me, and you can join me in this, I, as well as Paul, say as Paul did, I have weighed the facts and I have determined that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. And I'm still here and you're still here and this country is still here. And we have jobs to do and as the kids... (laughs) well preached to us today in their testimonies. We ought to be sharing the good news. There's only one hope. It is not the Republicans. It is not conservatism. That is not the hope. The hope of this country is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you can, before you can change a, mind, a man's politics or a man's belief or a man's mind, you have to change his heart. So go and talk about Jesus and tell what he's done for sinners. And God will give us souls. While we wait, let's share the gospel. While we wait, let's stand for righteousness. And while we wait, let's suffer for Christ if need be. On this Independence Day 2021, let us pray God will deliver our nation from the filth of Sodom and Gomorrah and the bloodshed of Pharaoh and Herod.